Well, I appreciate y'all letting me adapt things this morning, but there's so much going on around our world. We needed to call upon the one who can help us with that. And we're going to spend just a couple of moments in the text today. It's Isaiah 44. You'll see it on the screen. It is so important for us to do this when we gather, but I think you're going to see how good God is to us when you read the words of this text. As you're turning to Isaiah 44, let me share with you that we prayerfully lay out our sermon series weeks and months in advance. God led us to this text before everything we just prayed about that seems to be unsettled and not right in our world. The reason this is so applicable today is because God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people who were in an unsettled, unright, broken world. And he gives them words of hope. So when you read your Bible, don't you dare let anybody tell you, well, they can tell you, but don't you dare believe them If they tell you scripture is not relevant, it's archaic, it was written thousands of years ago, listen, the circumstances that God's people were dealing with 700 years before the coming of Christ are the same ones we're dealing with now. Hardship, persecution, famine, floods, and God speaks a word of hope. There's three things you're going to see in this text that I want you to remember. This is a Baptist pastor's dream. There are three words. They all start with the letter R, okay? Remember, repent, and rejoice. Remember, repent, and rejoice. And those are the three words I want you to think about when you leave here this place to carry you through the week. Remain seated for just a moment as we read from Isaiah 44, verses 21 through 23. Remember these things, Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, Israel. I will never, or you will never be forgotten by me. I've swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Rejoice, heavens, for the Lord has acted. Shout, depths of the earth. Break out into singing, O mountains, forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorifies himself through Israel. God's people were going through hardship We go through hardships, and God says in verse 21, remember. Verse 22, he says, return to me, or repent. And verse 23, he says, rejoice. Now, one of the things I want to do is I want to make you aware of why God would say this. The first one is this, remember. You need to remember the goodness of God because it safeguards you against idolatry and it anchors your soul in times of hardship. It's important for you to take time to remember the goodness of God to you in times past because it safeguards you against idolatry and it anchors your soul in times of hardship. Now, we've observed natural disasters in our world, and that happened in those days because it was a broken world. Anything after Genesis 3 is possible. Upheaval, perversions of what we want, what we desire out of the world and out of life, like anything's possible. But these people were in hardships of their own doing. They had worshipped idolatry. They had worshipped false gods. They literally had abandoned their love for God, and some of them were worshiping idols carved of stone or wood. And if you read Isaiah 44, it's interesting. Isaiah says, like, why do people even do that? You you, you carve an idol out of wood. He says an Israelite might carve an idol out of wood, and with some of the wood, he cooks his meal, and with some of it, he, he starts a fire, and then with the rest, he fashions a God that he made and then says, save me, do for me, help me. The people had stumbled into idolatry. Now, when we read that, I don't know if you have idols in your house like that, but we all have idols. What are your idols? What do you worship more than you worship Jesus? Anything you give your affections and your heart to more than Jesus Christ is an idol. 
It could be the, the obvious ones. It could be relationships. You idolize something and you want that thing more than you want Jesus to orchestrate or to lead you to what it is relationally you should desire. It could be finances. It could be power or authority or climbing the corporate ladder. It could be popularity. It could be uh, recognition from even your parents. You want them. You, you want their favor more than you even want the favor of God. You want others to know. I'm competent. I'm gifted. I, like, look at what I've done with my life. We all worship idols. And one of the things he says here to the people is when you're in hardship and when you're going through trials, you need to remember it'll safeguard you against giving your heart and yourself to these things. It's as if God says, I know your prayers to me or get me out of this. Rescue us. Bring us home. The people were in captivity. They had, because of their idolatry and because of their sin, they had been hauled off by the Assyrians into captivity. So it's as if God's saying, I know your prayers are getting me out of this. You ever prayed that? Get me out of this. Rescue me. Save me. He says, I hear that. It's not that I don't hear that, but what's more important than you having your prayers answered is you remembering who I am. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm addicted to the answers of my prayers more than I am the God who can answer them. Are you addicted to the answers of your prayers? I, I need to know this. Like, what's next? I need provision. I need witness. Or I, 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 need, I, I need providence. I need help. Like, we long for God to answer the thing we're after more than we care and give our attention and our adoration and our, our worship to the one who can answer them. So he says, look, you're in a hardship. Don't, don't, for just a few minutes, don't worry about how to get out of it. See it for what it is. Acknowledge it. It's what we're doing right here in our own community, around our world. It's not right. But God says, what I want you to do is focus on me. Remember who I am. And what does he tell them? Did you see that in verse 21? He says, you are my servant. You are my servant. Like, I'm talking to you. Like, you're my servant. And I'm your God. Don't worship these other gods, okay? But I've never forgotten you. Israel, my people, I will never leave you or forsake you. God had promised them that in the Old Testament. That's covenant language. Like even when you sin, even when you can't feel lovable, I love you. I see you. So number one, one of the most important things to know when you're going through hardship or crisis or the world is breaking is to know that God sees you. You are seen by him and you are loved by him. You're not forgotten. That is one of the reasons we come together on Sunday mornings. Now, this is true for you if you're an individual the other six days of the week, right? You should know this is truth. But one of the reasons Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, do not neglect the coming together. First of all, there are people, as we've clearly established, halfway around the world that would give anything to biblically honor what God's called us to do, which is come together. They don't have this freedom. So let us not take this lightly. The second thing is, we get to look at each other and say, no, life doesn't have bows on it. And oftentimes when somebody says, how's your week? With the week I shared that the staff has had, kids sick, people going through trials and hardship, and it's like, what is going on? You just want to show up and just vomit, don't you? Like, here's what's wrong, and it was naughty. It was awful. Next time somebody asks you how you're doing, be like, it was, you know, absolutely today was horrific, and just watch how they respond. If they don't panic, they'll walk away. Because we don't know what to do with that. We want to be honest. It's one of the reasons you need to be in community, at the end of our service, Hunter Melton's going to come up here and remind you of how to get connected to other people in our church. One of the reasons we come together, one of the reasons we get in community is to look at each other and say, we're not alone in this. I see you. God sees us. And if we don't have anything, we have God and we have each other, and that's enough. doesn't answer all the problems. I'm not offering trite answers to our challenges. But he says, remember me. You are seen, and I will never leave you or forsake you. But not only that, he tells them to repent. Did you see that in verse 22? 
He says, I've swept away your transgressions like a cloud and I've removed your sins like a mist, like a vapor that's there and then wiped away by the gentle breeze that comes in and blows it away. Like, you're in captivity because of your mistakes. I didn't do this, but guess what? If you'll repent and you'll return to me, and repentance is a change in direction. If you'll repent, I can wipe it away. And he says, I've done these things. So he's saying, I can remove the thing that haunts our relationship, which is sin and transgression. I can remove it if you'll repent, if you'll return to me. Uh, this past week, I dropped Isaiah off at a friend's house in Green Hills, and Amy was at the store, and the kids were doing things. They were busy, and so I just had a little bit of time. I had about an hour window on my hand that I'm like, I, just, you know, free time doesn't come along. Those of you that are parents, and you're in the trenches, and it's like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I'm going to go to the Green Hills Mall. I don't know why, but I'm just going to walk around and feel human again, you know? I'm just going to walk around, and like, this is great, and it's good to be out with no agenda. And, like, and then I started thinking, like, what, do I, like, what should I buy? Clearly, we need something. I like, should I get a shirt at Brooks Brothers? Should I go through Restoration Hardware? I can't anything in there, but should I just dream about it and look around and be like, these are good. I'll take two of them. Oh, they're on back order. Dang it. And then I run out of the store. Like, what am I going to get? What am I going to do? And then I realized like, I don't need anything. I don't want anything, right? Isn't that Western materialism, right? Anybody else deal with that? Like, what can I buy? What can I do to kind of plug that hole that only Jesus can fill? Like it's lit legit for many of us. And I repented <laughs> right there at the red light going on Hillsborough Road. I'm like, what am I doing? And I repented, which means I stopped and I literally turned around right by Nashville, and I came around the corner. I got back on Hillsborough Road and headed the other way to Nashville, our home in Nashville. Like I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to change direction. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to return. One of the things that happens when you remember who God is, you're God and I'm not, what he told him to do in 21, is you realize, like, I need to repent of, like, my sin and, and that I'm not like God. He's holy, and I'm so not holy. So, like, I need to change direction and return to him. I feel like this doesn't only happen at salvation. So for those of you who place your faith in Jesus Christ, Jason and Jennifer talked about a, a young lady who came to faith in Christ. A, a, a precursor to placing your faith in Christ is repentance. You turn from sin and self and you turn towards God. I find as a Christian, you got to do that every day. You got to do that every day. Acknowledge you're God and I'm not. It's a pretty good way to start the day. It reprioritizes what's important. And we talked about that last week. We looked at the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus said, as you pray these things, you're mindful that he's God, and I'm not. And isn't that healthy? Like, constantly, like, and, and so he says, here's the deal. If you're in the wilderness, if you're in captivity, if you're enslaved to something, if you are in hardship because you're undoing it, just repent and come back to me. Because let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to remove your sin. I'm going to wipe away your transgressions, and you and I will be reconciled again. Now, I find this to be incredibly generous. God's illustrating he's going to remove the central problem that haunts our relationship. But, but he says, I'll do this for you. He's already done enough by offering his son on the cross at Calvary. And then he says, if you respond to this, I will then give you salvation. I will pull you into a relationship with me. He says, repent. If you are giving into despair when you see things that are broken or wrong in the world or in your own life, it, that, that's normal. It's, it's the emotion. It's It's real. But don't let it drive you to despair. Repent of, as much as we can make a difference with our time, talents, and treasures, repent that the answer for our lives, for the world, the hope of the world is Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I turn to you and say, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I need you to move in this world in my life in ways that I cannot do. I'm on return to me. Remember who I am. And when you start to remember who I am, repent of you because you're not God and turn back to me. Of course, yes, strategically we do things. We'll serve, we'll give, we'll go. So there's practical things, but if we try to do that before we've repented and we're right with Jesus, that's out of order. 
Like we cannot be as effective as we might want to be. And then finally he says, rejoice. Repent, remember, and in verse 23, he says, rejoice. Now, as I studied the text, and maybe this is the first time you've ever laid your eyes on chapter 44 of Isaiah, I'm like, you ever heard like a needle on a record? Like just scratch, like, and you're like, excuse me? Like it's so unpleasant. It's like, who did that? Like, are you serious? Like God, like you really, Isaiah's like, you need to rejoice. And they're still in captivity. Rejoice because why? Because I've redeemed you. If I'm an Israelite, I'm like, uh, look around. Like, it ain't good, Lord. We're in captivity. Things are hard. Like, I, I just, I don't know if you know that, but he says, right where you are, rejoice. In other words, worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. If you find yourself in hardship, if you turn on the news and it wells up anxiety and stress and, and, and disturbs you, one of the best things you can do is just start praising God and praising Jesus for who he is and what he's done and what he's promised. He promised his people, I'll never leave you or forsake you. All of the promises of God come true in the person of Jesus Christ. God promised he would save his people from their sin. He sent Jesus to do that. If we needed any more proof that God can keep his promises, an empty tomb and a resurrected Savior is galvanizing proof that God will do everything he says he will do. And if he says he'll take care of his church, those, those Afghani Christians that are martyred, when they open their eyes in heaven, they will not need faith anymore. They will have what we don't even have yet. They will see Jesus. You don't need faith in heaven because you can touch him. You can be with him. And in that moment for them or whenever it comes for us, if you didn't believe it, but you're, you, you know, you'd already placed faith in God, but you're like, I struggle to believe he can keep all his promises. I really hope he can. When you meet him, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've given your life to him in this, in this life, when you see him in the next, you will know, oh my gosh, how good, how worthy of worship is he that he keeps every one of his promises. And all we get to do for eternity is worship him and celebrate him and be in relationship with him. He says, rejoice. Here again, another reason why we need to be in church on a Sunday like this. We need to come together on the first day of the week to say, even when it's hard, and even when walking through those glass double doors, like they're there's a lot of loose ends in my life and I'm not good with the condition of the world and I'm frustrated with this relationship and that ain't right with work. That's why we get up and get dressed. And I would suggest to you, sometimes the Holy Spirit pulls us out of bed and brings us in here to say, just worship, just worship. And as you do, you will be reminded that I keep my promises. I see you. I love you. You're not forgotten. No, this is not the way I intended it, but I will redeem and restore that and when Jesus returns, he will recreate a new heaven and a new earth as he once intended in Genesis. And this is the thing I love about God. Sin and the enemy and all that's wrong with the world cannot keep God from accomplishing what his original design was to create a people that he could be in perfect relationship with. You cannot thwart the plans of our God. And so we pray, amen, come Lord Jesus. We cannot wait for that. And so he says, while you wait, you rejoice. Now, I'll be honest with you, another reason you need to read your Bible is not only because when you open this, like you are engaging the risen Jesus. When you read this text, it's been empowered, it's been breathed into by his Holy Spirit. But the Bible is often written from the perspective of people who were waiting on God. The Bible is often, Old Testament and New Testament, written by people from the perspective they're waiting on God. 
They're waiting on God to do what he said. This is 700 years before the Christ, but Isaiah says it, he believes it, and he's waiting. The people hear it, they believe it, they do repent and return to him. He does redeem them and bring them back to the promised land, but they were waiting when they heard it. 2021, we're waiting on Jesus to return. And he says, while you wait, we're not good with the wait, but your waiting is not passive, it's active. While you wait, you pray. While you wait, you worship. While you wait, you use your time, your talents, and your treasures to bless, to serve, to comfort, to bring hope. Plenty of opportunities in Middle Tennessee and around the globe to do that. We're not really good with our waiting, but when you read Scripture, you realize that we're not the first people that have dealt with this. How did they get through it? What did God teach them? Another reason you need to be in community with others so that together we figure this out and put one foot in front of the other as we move forward. God says, when you're going through hardship in 2021, remember that I'm God. I see you and I love you. You will always be my people. Number two, you repent. If there's something in your heart or your life that you're like, you know what? This is keeping me from joining you in your mission. This is keeping me from drawing close to you. I repent of it and I turn to you. Or finally, you rejoice. You rejoice and you worship God for who he is and what he's done. And sometimes if that's all you can do, to show up and let people sing over you and let these songs minister to you, and you keep leaning into the things of God and let the church love on you in moments where you need to receive. Now, that's my prayer for you today. And so we're going to do that. I'm going to ask Ronnie to come up to the platform. And he's going to sing us. Uh, he's going to lead us in a chorus of response. And we're going to worship. We're going to rejoice. We're not saying that everything's great. We're not saying that when you leave here, there's a bow on your life and all the loose ends are tied up. I, I think that would... I think that would insult my friendship with you if I know you well or as pastor. Like, that's not, that's not necessarily reality. But God has promised he'll be faithful, and all of his promises come through in the person of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to respond by worshiping. But I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds here where I'm not talking. Ronnie's going to start playing. You pray, and you tell Jesus what it is you need. If you're still burdened for the needs we mentioned just a moment ago, you pray for those. If you need to repent of something and return to the Lord, you do that. If you need to say, I just... I thank you that you see me. You see me in my struggle. Let's me know I'm not alone in this. If you need to join the church, if you need to get connected to other followers of Jesus in this church, so that you realize, like, God, God is, he's got a plan for me. And sometimes you need other people to remind you of that. Then, then you pray about whether or not you need to do that in just a moment when we give you an opportunity. But you pray as you feel led, and then Ronnie's going to ask us to stand and rejoice, to stand and worship so that our despair doesn't lead us into hopelessness, but it leads us into hopefulness that God's promised in Jesus. So you pray as you feel led.